turn your Bibles to Proverbs 17. While you are turn, turning, it is um, November, is a month of Thanksgiving. I would like to give a big thanks to Pastor, for he still preaches against sin and the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for us over a few thousand years ago, that he can still save us today. Proverbs 17 will be in verse 17 as well. It reads, um, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Um, the title is Friends Under the Influence of Friends. There are two friends I want to go over. Is The number one is a loving friend. Verse 17 says, A friend loveth at all times. If you have a good friend, he will give you countenance and also love and patience, and he will help you through life. This is a friend that will show you love. And Proverbs 18.24 tells us this verse. A friend that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. This is Jesus Christ as a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And some brothers in this world can stick closer than a brother, but not as much as Jesus Christ. So we must lean on Jesus Christ as much as we can. Um, Proverbs 27.17 saith, Iron sharpens iron as a man's countenance. No, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. So, if you are having trouble, you should go to a friend, not only that, but also Jesus Christ, and get countenance from them. If you would please turn to 2 Samuel 13 with me, as this is another friend I want to go over as a subtle friend. Subtle means someone that will tell you something that sounds good, but is wicked, and he will trick you into thinking this is very right. This is basically the devil talking. In verse 1, we're going to begin reading. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amor, the son of David, loved her. And Amon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amon thought it was hard for him to do anything to her. Now listen to this. Verse 3, But Amon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shema, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. Jonadab led a good man who was with the Lord to a very wrong path, and it went very, very wrong very fast. He loved his sister, his half-sister, and he didn't know how to tell people, but it was very wicked because he knew it would be very wicked. Um, she, um, he, uh, he wanted to have his sister basically to rape her. That's all he wanted. And um, so he had a wicked plan. Jonadab gave him was to lay sick in his bed. And when someone come ask you, what do you want? You say, I want my sister to come give me meals to fix. When his sister was fixing meals and came closer to him, he grabbed her and raped her. He had no, she had no choice as he forced her into this. After this, most men, or he said, get away from me. I do not want you no longer. As verse 15 says, and Ammon hated her exceedingly, so the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Ammon said her, arise, be gone. 
most men these days will get out of women what they want and not what they need. As they um, will find a woman that they love and will not love them but say they do and they will not do the things for the woman that will help her out but only get out of her what she wants. I know a few people that have been down that road and it does not end very well. Um, that's the two friends I want to go over. There's a story I want to tell. It's about my second cousin. In the past, he was really young. He was with some bad friends that gave him some drugs. He got on those drugs, but Jesus, knowing his precious blood, saved him. He got right. He went to John 3.16. He was actually a preacher for a little bit. Earlier this year, he went back to those drugs, and the drugs overtook him, and he went into an overdose and died. This is what friends basically can do to you, is he had past relationships. And he's not longer those friends, but the, the things that he did with his friends came back and got him. So it's important to stay away from all of it completely and don't do them. Because most friends will say, one cigarette, one beer, just touch the woman. It's all right. It won't come back. But one thing can lead in to two and then multiple. And before you know it, you've, you've destroyed your life. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that we are the salt and the light of this world. We are to tell people what Jesus is and how he saved us, that he he cannot only save us, but save you. And I just pray to y'all today that if y'all don't know Jesus, that y'all need to be saved. I'd mentioned this morning that that there would be a shot fired if the time limit went over 10 minutes and uh, we have a sniper planted at the back. And instead of having a shotgun, I said it's a shotgun, not really a shotgun. What we have is a, it's one of those paddles that has a rotten tomato in it and in exactly 10 minutes, it aims right at this pulpit. <laughs> and so that makes you want to get done in 10 minutes, doesn't it? All right. Sir? No, we're not going to have it except when other people are preaching. <laughs> Doesn't count for me. <laughs> All right. Well, Brother Connor is going to preach to us. And again, we're going to ask section one, section two, section three question after he gets through. Come and preach, Brother Connor. The service so far, good evening. To be in the Lord's house is always a blessing. You guys know uh, missionaries are dear to my heart. Um, I've been adored by missionaries and missions around the globe since I became serious about the Lord back in 2019. So, if you can guess, I'm preaching out of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, the very back piece of it, uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. You see, the Bible teaches that Jesus is the only answer to humanity's needs for holiness and salvation. We see this in John chapter 3, verse 16. The world's most famous verse, or one of the world's most famous verse. If you recall Tim Tebow back in the day when Tim Tebow would play football, 
that dude would have eye black on his eyes. And one day, he wore John 3.16 on his, on, his, um, on his face. And that was the most looked upon verse on Google at that time. And I'm sure at that time, we saw millions of souls saved because of that one person. Millions of souls saved can be saved because of your actions during one encounter. So don't mess it up. Chapter, John chapter 3, verse 16. We see this also in John chapter 14, verse 6. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Those are all examples of how the Bible teaches that Jesus is the only answer to humanity's need and salvation. Amen. You see, John chapter 3, verse 16, it says... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I didn't say that. The pastor didn't say it. The Bible says it. God says it. He says that he loved you so much that he sent his one and only begotten Son that if you believe in him, you shall have everlasting life. And by the grace of God, I say amen to that. <clears throat> and we see also in chapter uh, 14 of... of uh, Chapter 14, verse 6 of John. After Jesus died, he resurrected and ascended into heaven. And later on in some further verses, we see that he later says that he's going to leave behind a comforter. What is that comforter? That comforter is the Holy Spirit. Yes. And by the grace of God, I'm still of this flesh today. But because of him, he left behind a friend. He left behind the Holy Spirit that helps to convict me and get me back on track. When I'm falling down, when I'm sinning, when I'm struggling, the Holy Spirit is knocking on my door saying, Hey, you know you're not doing wrong. I'm sorry. You know you're not doing right. You're doing wrong. Turn from those evil, wicked ways. And speaking of the evil, wicked ways, do you ever wonder why we struggle so much and why we're, we're, we are all, always constantly battling these fears and emotions? And we're always at war with the world. Well, according to Romans 3, uh, verse 23, it says we are sinners by birth and by choice due to our free will. You see, the, the interesting about the Holy Gospels, the Holy Word of God, the God himself, is we have this free will. When you come, in, when you come between a crossroad and you've got two choices to make, you've got the free will. You either choose to do the right thing and it's in favor of the Lord, or you choose to do the wrong thing, and you are of the world. You've got two choices, and the free will is one of them. You've got heaven or hell. It's your choice. If you have been shared the gospel, and you go to hell, that's because you made the choice. Everybody's bound for hell. But you can make that choice. You can call on, on him today because, like I said, if you call on him, you shall be saved. In the Great Commission, Jesus instructs all believers to make disciples of all nations by going to them. Whether I'm talking about stateside or abroad, right here in Cersei, Arkansas, you can be a missionary. You can be a missionary in White County. You can be a missionary down in Patagonia. My favorite missionary is Kyle Sheridan down in Patagonia, Chile. You will, you will hear me talk about this guy a lot if you, if you really talk to me about missions. He's my favorite missionary. But you can go to Germany. You can go to Patagonia. You can go to your backyard in your neighborhood. 
and be a missionary. You see, my title for this short sermon, which is a different, I'm trying to talk fast because I'm trying to stay within 10 minutes. But my title is Goers or Senders. Our job as a missionary, if you're not called to go, if you aren't a goer, you are a sender. And by the, God, by the grace of God, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and, and through 20, we see that we are called to make disciples of all nations by going to them stateside or abroad, witnessing and, and winning souls for the Lord, baptizing them, and teaching them to obey God and His commandments. Now, obviously, that is easier said than done. And I'll be the first to admit it. That is much, much easier said than done. I fall every single day just like everyone in this room. Nobody's perfect. But by the gracious blood of Jesus Christ, we are redeemed. God has called every Christian to participate in global missions. That's why I think it's very important that um, as you mature in your relationship with Jesus Christ and you mature in your faithful attendance in church, I believe that it's important to tithe. And it's even, I won't say even more important, but it's just as important to give to the missionaries. Because again, if you're not a goer, you better, you better be sending people abroad. <clears throat> we see in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, while all who call upon Jesus will be saved, no one can call on him if they do not believe. Believe unless they hear, and hear unless someone goes to preach or go to preach unless they are sent. And you may ask, why are you telling me all this? Because I've got a heart for missions, and you should too. Again, right before I close, we don't have time to read all these verses we're just we're we're going quickly, but again, let me rephrase that. Let, let me let me go back through that last point before I close. While all who call upon Jesus will be saved, everyone in this room, if you call upon Jesus, you shall be saved. But no one can call on Him if they do not believe. Believe unless they hear. Hear unless someone goes to preach, or go to preach unless they are sent. And to close, we go or we send. It's that simple. Amen. I'm not saying that you have to stand up right here and you have to, to be that person, that, that, that guy or that gal to go across the ocean. That's not my calling. That's not my job. But my job, or my advice, I could say, I'm not going to say my job. My advice for you to say is, if you're not a goer, you can send. Neither I repeat, neither, whether we go or we sin, neither is more biblical than the other, and neither is possible without the other. Remember that as we leave tonight, we are goers or we are senders. All right, good evening. I'm going to be, the past couple times I've been up here preaching, I've been in this book, I'm going back to the book of 1 Peter, it's what I've been living in for the past couple months while I've been preaching at the nursing home. I'm going to talk to you tonight about a four-letter word, a four-letter word called love. 
Love is a word that we use often in our society today. It's kind of so often that sometimes it's lost its meaning, right? Oh, I just, I love to eat. I love tacos. As Aaron said before, well, are you going to marry them, right? We have 14, 15-year-old kids going around saying, you know, I'm in love. I love this. I love that. And we use it to describe a lot of times just a feeling that we have, something that gives us pleasure or joy. I'm going to tell you that love is more than a feeling. What is love? Love is a bond between people. People that share and understand common values, core beliefs. It's not a fleeting feeling that is here today and gone tomorrow. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that love is patient, love is kind. You know, you must be willing to suffer for love, not get jealous, right? And we also learn in this chapter that it comes from God because faith, hope, and charity or love are some good things that he gave us, right? But the greatest is the love. In 1 John 4, 10, 11, it, the Bible tells us herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So we are commanded to love one another. Well, in the book of 1 Peter here, as I was reading it and as I was studying it, what I, come to, what I noticed here, it just can't teach us everything about love in this short little verse and this short little time I have here, but it gives us some love basics, the basics of Christian love. So let's read our verses here. I'm going to read starting off in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 8, and read through verse number 11. Our Bible reads, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion of one another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. In his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. But I said here, I think from this, this short little passage here, we can learn a few things about who, what we are supposed to love, and how we are supposed to do it. Well, first, we're supposed to love those that are in Christ, those that we know that come and gather us with here in church, like they are our, like they are our family. Right? It says, love as brethren. You know, how you would treat your family is how you should treat those people that are in Christ. But what does that mean? Right? Well, the first thing it means we need to be unified. Right? Our very first line, finally be ye all of one mind. We all have to have the same goals. Now, it doesn't mean we're always in agreement or in everything, you know. We're always going to do things the same way. But it means we have the same goal, the same purpose in life. We want the same general outcome. Now, you know, how, how can I explain that, you know? Maybe I think the best way to win people to Christ is to go out and knock it on doors and stuff like that. Maybe Brother Connor thinks the best way to win people to Christ is to stand out in front of Walmart on a box and preach the gospel to it. You know, maybe Brother Josh thinks that his music is the better way to win people to Christ. We may not agree on that, but we all have the same end goal. We all want to bring people to Christ. We are being unified in one goal. And even though we have differences, we are showing godly love when we act in that unified manner. You know, that's why God gave people different talents and different personalities so we're able to reach all types of people. And we continue to show the love of Christ as we do so. So we know we need to be unified. Second from this passage, we can learn that we need to be compassionate. It says, having compassionate one another, be pitiful. You know, the Bible says pitiful here, and that's another word that's got a, a negative connotation in our vernacular today, right? I don't really want to be pitiful. Because when you think of being pitiful, it's kind of like I'm weak. I'm someone you're embarrassed of, you know. Someone that can't control themselves. Maybe I'm drooling all over myself, down my chin. 
and just look all nasty and gross. Someone that's pathetic. No, we don't want to be that way. But no, the Bible, when the Bible's telling you to be pitiful, it means be compassionate. Have compassion. You know, there's a great saying that I like. It says, you know, before you say something bad about someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. And because then when you do say something, you're far enough away that they can't hear you. Plus, you got their shoes. <laughs> no, but, but in all seriousness, no. We need to be compassionate towards people. We need to understand where they're coming from and not be so judgmental in their lives because we don't know what's going on in other people's lives. When people hurt, we need to hurt with them. When people have struggles, we need to be there with them to give them support, to give them guidance. As it says in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Bear ye one another burdens, so you fulfill the law of Christ. And we are showing godly love. So we're be unified. We're compassionate. And the third thing here in verse number 8, it tells us to be courteous. Right? Always being looking out for the things of others. Not being so selfish. Not having this attitude whereas I'm going to get mine. I'm going to take care of me and my family. And I don't care what happens to anybody else out there. Right? That's not the way we want to be. That's not, that's not being loving. That's not showing Christian love. We need to be giving in kind to the less fortunate, to those that have less than we do, with our time, with our food, with our possessions, anything that we can afford to share, we need to reach out to it. And why do we do all this stuff, though? We do it for the glory of God, you know? We're doing it when we do something like that, when we help someone else, we're doing it for God, just as the Bible says in Matthew 25, right? That the God will give us the kingdom because we clothed and fed him when he was in need. That's what the Bible tells us, right? And, and we might look at it in that day of judgment when God separates the sheep out to the right and the goats out to the left and says, when you did this, you know, you fed me when I was hungry. You gave me thirsty. And we're going to look at it and say, when did I do that for you? In verse 40 in Matthew 25, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as you have done it unto the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. So when we're being courteous and we're being compassionate, and we're being loving and unified and doing that for those that are less fortunate than us, we're actually doing it for God. Right. So we're reaching out and glorifying him. Yep. So not only do we need to love those that are, we are brothers and sisters with, right, like there's family, we also need to love those that oppose us and give us grief in our lives. Right. You know, verse 9 in our text here says, Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. You know, when we're acting away towards people, I've kind of just surmised there's three ways we can act, right? We can act in, in Satan's way, and that's where we return people do good to us and we do evil to them. We can act the way most humans do, the way the flesh does. When people are evil to us, we return evil with evil. When people are good to us, we return good for good. But that's not how we need to be. We need to act in the spirit and in the will of God, and we return good for when people are evil to us. Jesus teaches us that in Matthew. You know, he says that the world, he says, so you have heard. Not, not that we've heard out of the Bible, but you've heard in the world that it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You've heard in the world that you should love your neighbor and you should hate your enemy. But that's not what Jesus says in verses 45, 44 and 45 of that chapter. Jesus says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Now, that is what we are called to do by Christ. We are called to love our enemies, not be deceitful, not be bad-mouthing people that bad-mouth us, not returning evil for evil. And in verse 9 in our, in our uh, main verses here, it says, knowing that you are thereto called that you should inherit a blessing, right? This is our calling. 
for doing this, we get that blessing. And what is that blessing? That blessing is eternal life in heaven, right? When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't judge us. He was courteous to us. He was compassionate for us. He was kind to us. He showed us love so we could inherit that blessing. When we act that way towards others, we're displaying Christ's love. We're displaying the gospel to them. We are showing them how they can inherit a blessing as well by coming to know Christ. So we learned that we should love those that are in our church family, love those that oppose us outside our church family. And the last little basic of love I got from this chapter is that we should just love life in general. In verse 10, it says, For he that will love life and see good days, right? We will to love life. It's not just something that happens. It's a choice that we have to make, something that we have to pursue to do, pursue to do every day. Because I know, have you ever known somebody? I know quite a few people that are just grouchy all the time, right? They get up and they're not enjoying life. They're letting bitterness, and maybe something that happened five, ten years ago, they're letting it sink in, and they're letting it hold them down, right? Or maybe they're constantly worried about what will happen tomorrow, so that way they can't enjoy life and love life today. They're constantly anxious and worried. That's a choice that they make, right? I don't know where this saying comes from, but it's the saying that I like. I think people should tell themselves this all the time, that yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift. That's why they call it the present, right? We should rejoice. Rejoice in the day that the Lord has made for us, right? This is our day. This is, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. This is the day we have. Be happy in it, right? And we need to maintain that love each and every day, and keep on rejoicing, mainly by verse 10. What does it say right after? For he will will his life. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. If we want to keep our happiness and we want to keep enjoying life, we really got to watch what comes out of our mouth and what we say, right? Doesn't it seem like all bad things just turn by what someone said? Maybe you said something. Maybe somebody else said something to you. And a good day can turn around almost immediately. One single word. One single sentence. You know, our tongue is a powerful weapon. What does James say about it in James 3? Uh, verse 8, he says, But the tongue can no man tame, and it is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. We need to learn to control that deadly tongue as much as we can. Therefore, I, I would follow the advice that James gave just a couple chapters earlier, right? In chapter 1, James tells us, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. If we were to follow that advice, we'd have a little bit of control over that tongue. It's hard to do. You know, we need to be filled with the Spirit to be able to do this. The flesh isn't going to do it on its own. And I found a verse here when I was studying from it, and, you know, I get up and pray and thank God for every day that I have. And I've never really had this verse, but I'm, I added it to my prayers starting off this morning. And every morning when I get up, I'm going to pray Psalm 141, verse 3. Just a real short, short verse says, Set a watch, O Lord. Before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. Every day before I go out of the house, I'm just going to say that to the Lord. Have him watch my mouth. Make sure that I know that what I say is not going to be the cause of any pain. It's not going to be pain to anyone else. It's not going to cause me to lose my love of life for that day. Finally, in verse 11, if we want to keep our love of life every day, right, not only do we need to refrain our tongue, we need to eschew evil and do good. That word is shoe. That means more than just stay away from, right? It means to despise, run from it. We need to hate evil, right? And if we're going to hate evil, we need to get those evil thoughts out of our mind. And again, that's something hard for us to do while we're in the flesh. That's why we always need to be seek 
to be full of the Spirit. But when we eschew evil, right, when that happens, we're going to seek peace. If we're not looking for evil, we're going to seek peace. And in the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5, chapter 9, Jesus teaches us, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And that's what we should all be looking out for. That's what we should all want, to be called the children of God, to be the reason for peace, not the reason for contention. And that is showing godly love. So as I wrap up here today, this, like I said, this isn't everything that you're going to need to know about love. This is just the basics. Let's call it the fundamentals, right? So as I step down here today, I ask you to look at your lives. How are you performing in this fundamentals? Do you need to get back to the fundamentals of love? Do you need to look at your brothers and those in your family and become a little bit more unified with them? Is there any spot where you can be a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more courteous? Are you treating people that aren't just quite the same as you, the ones that are angry with you, the ones that are evil to you? Are you being compassionate and courteous with them too, even when it hurts, even when you don't think you can? Because that's what Christ did for us. And finally, are you loving life each and every day? It is a gift of the Lord that we get to wake up each and every morning. Enjoy the blessing. Thank you.